159 of the Cricket Her Weekly. Happy Easter! If you're celebrating, are we celebrating soon? Yeah. Will you be eating lots of chocolate later in celebration? And hot cross buns. <laughs> and I'm no, technically not supposed to eat hot cross buns. That was for Friday, Sid. Yeah, Friday is for hot cross buns. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, we hope that you, um, our listeners and viewers, are having a great time wherever you are in the world, and whether you're celebrating Easter or not. Um, we've got several things to talk about this week, so let's crack on. Um, first of all, you thought that WPL was over, but, well, I mean, it is over. <laughs> that sounded like I was about to introduce a whole raft of new fixtures. It is over for this year, however, the people who are organising it in India are obviously still, um, are obviously already thinking about next year's competition, aren't they, Sid? What are the, what are the details that have emerged this week? Yeah, well, the, the talk this week has been about introducing home and away fixtures next year. So obviously this year it was, you know, all played in one place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was very convenient for everybody. It meant the players didn't have to fly around. They could base all the players in one hotel, um, you know, so that, you know, if you're a player, you're in one place for the mm -hmm. whole time. Um, and it meant that they could easily do this thing that they did where they had the, the appointment of view where they had the fixture, you know, the same time every day, fixture, 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 every single day. Um, you know, and it was it was a great success, right? So the temptation from the BCCI's perspective is obviously going to be to do the same thing again. But what's really interesting is that, you know, you now have, you know, the team owners are now, you know, a part of this partnership with the BCCI. And the team owners long term need to think about how they're going to make money. Why do they need to think about that? Well, you know, everybody wants to make money. But the, the, the key thing about WPL is at the moment, the TV money is being ploughed back into the teams. So the money that the TV companies have paid is being given back to the teams and the teams can use that to pay their salaries. Mm -hmm. But longer term, the BCCI have said, look, guys, that TV money, that's actually our money. We're, we're planning to keep the TV money and you need to pay the salaries out of your team's pocket, you know, by itself. You need to find, sell enough tickets, get enough sponsorship, do whatever you need to do to find that, that salary money because we're keeping the TV money after the first few years and you need to stand on your own two feet. So what that means from the owner's perspective is that they need these home and away fixtures. They, every owner needs a number of fixtures played in their own city so they can start to fill a stadium with fans, start to sell replica shirts on a, you know, uh, on a much wider basis, start to tell the local, locally based industrial sponsors, look, you can sponsor the team in, in our area and we'll be playing, you know, four games in our area or we'll be playing our home games there. Um, and it's and, like local exposure then for the sponsors, isn't it? Which is really important. Yeah, so all, all of these things, you know, push the owners towards wanting to push for this, this proper home and away thing. And the, the 100 has been able to do it in this country, the, a proper home and away thing, because at the end of the day, England is actually a pretty small place. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the bigger countries, it's more of a challenge. So Australia and the WB, WBBL, I don't think they've ever done this. Um, I certainly can't recall a season where they had a full raft of home and away fixtures. In every season, as far as I remember, someone might come up and say, oh, actually, you know, in WBBL2 they did. So apologies if that's the case. But mostly you've had like a few instances at least where, you know, teams have done things like a team at, like Brisbane has flown to Perth and they've played the, both the home and away fixture at Perth on, on consecutive days. Um, so not every team has played all of their home games at home, you know, and there's been these festival weekends they've done in recent WBBRs where they've played like, you know, sort of six games over the space of three days, um, you know, and every team has been in Sydney for, you know, four days to, to do that. 
Now, the, the, the WPL's challenge is that, you know, they need, the, the owners are putting pressure on the, the BCCI to have this full home and away thing for the reasons we talked about. And that makes the tournament much more logistically complicated. It means that you've got to fly players back and forth around India. You can't even really do the thing where you go, well, we'll play four games in this city and then we'll move to this city and play the four home games there and then we'll move to that Because that just doesn't, it, it, that doesn't work from a scheduling perspective. You know, that's going to give you big gaps between the games. So it's going to mean a lot more flying around for the players. And it's going to have to mean they build a lot more rest days into it. And that in turn, is going to mean that the WPL is going to last longer. So I would be amazed if they can get, if they really are going to do full home and away, I'd be amazed if they can squeeze it into six weeks. Um, you know, they, they, I think you're probably really? talking about, yeah, I think you're probably talking, well, it, it took the best part of a month to do it, even though all of the fixtures were played, you know, in one but city. are they actually saying they're definitely going to do full home and away? That's that, the pressure is from the, the I'm aware. Well, I think what we're seeing here is, the, the reason that people are talking about it is because the owners are making this public because they are trying to put pressure on the BCCI to do it. Because the BCCI, as we said, the BCCI's temptation will be to just repeat the same thing. Okay. That's so, not what the owners need. So I think at the moment, the WPL has a two-month um, window scheduled for it in the ICC's um, Future Tours programme for women, um, which goes for the next two and a half years or something. Um, so the, the 100 and the WBBL and the WPL have all got their own windows within that. Um, none of the other franchise competitions do at the moment. Um, so they have got that space to expand a little bit within the current constraints of the Future Tours programme. But I think if you're looking beyond about eight weeks, then you're going to struggle. Yeah, no, I, think. I don't think at this stage we're looking beyond that eight weeks okay. while there's still only five teams. One, if they're going to move it up to eight or ten yeah, teams, and that's when you, and you are starting. And that's, that's exactly what happens with the men's life. That's why the men's IPL is three months now. But I think they have so, actually said it's going to stay at five teams for the next couple of years. Yeah, they have they? done that, yeah. So what, we, what you're looking at is a six-week tournament that's going to be much more tiring mm. for the players. There's, there's going to be a lot of plane trips, a lot of hotel moves. You know, you're going to be two nights in this city, fly, you know, fly overnight, mm. two nights in this city, fly again. Uh, it's going to be a much tougher deal for the players. Now they're being very nicely remunerated exactly. for this. Um, you know, they're so... not going to turn their money. They're not going to turn <laughs> their noses up at that money, are they? For however oh, many flights you have to yeah, get on for it. No, um, but they're, they're going to earn their money much more next okay. year. And you know, it's going to be you know more of a challenge going forwards. And especially, and that's what I really wanted to highlight here is that when we're talking about moving to more teams and things, it's going to mean an inevitably a much longer window. You know, which is going to be you know more challenging to the to the overall structure of the. Of the game. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to put pressure on the ICC for when they are agreeing their next future tours program to agree to a longer window for it. Um, and then also, as we've kind of previously discussed, it it may be if you're getting players who are going off and having to spend several months playing in this, they're less likely to play in other franchise competitions. Yeah, no. If you've if you've been the best part of two months in India, then you're probably going. Well, I you know I'm, maybe I'm not going to do the WB WBBL well, for example. Yeah, but. Definitely, and we've talked about there being pressures on the WBBL to maybe contract and be a bit shorter and have a few less flights. Because if you're playing in WBBL, you're doing just as much travelling as you're talking about in India, um, but you're doing it over a longer period of time and for less money. Um, and the, the elephant in the room in all this is the 100. We're very biased because we get to watch all the matches in the 100. It's very convenient for us. But of those big three franchise competitions, it's the least well-paid. Um, possibly given the pay increases um, that Cricket Australia announced in WBBL last, last week, um, possibly by far 
the the least well paid. Yeah, and it's probably the lowest status of the three. You know, the, the WBBL has has status from the fact that it's the, you know it's the oldest one that's that's been truly yes. significant. You know, the WPL has achieved its own status in the, in the space of just yeah. a year. Um, you know, just one. I mean. Four months ago, we didn't know what the WPL was. So, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for everybody. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And it'll be interesting to see how the home and away thing plays out. Because there's no guarantee, of course, that the BCCI mm. will agree to what the owners want. You know, and ultimately, that makes life harder for the owners. And then we're back into potential territory where the owners are going to struggle to actually pay those bills and to pay the salaries. You know, unless the BCCI continue to do what they're doing right now, which is basically go, look, we'll give you the TV money and you can pay your salaries that way. Mm. One would hope that this would lead to pressure on the ECB to raise the salaries in the women's hundred. Well, <laughs> interestingly, that. Yes, that's one of our other topics for this week, isn't it, Sid? Um, so the ECB um, head honcho, Richard Gold, give him his full title. Richard Gold has given an interview this week, um, and and it's it's obviously been um, a kind of one of those all in. Um, interviews with lots of journalists. So um, the first thing to say is actually I'm a bit cross that um, I slash we didn't receive an invite to this. Um, it's frustrating because when you look at what was obviously discussed in that media opportunity with him, because you read the pieces that come out of that based on the quotes that he gave, they're all focused very much on men's cricket. And this is one of the issues with merged governance, isn't it? Because when somebody like that, who's at the head of the organisation, speaks publicly about their vision and their values and, and their mission. they do mission, a rare interview because they don't do these interviews no, very often. Exactly. And then they end up speaking for 95% of the time about men's cricket. And it's very frustrating. And, um, you know, I think you know, one of the last times that this happened was um, with the previous head honcho, <laughs> Um, Tom Harrison, Harrison thank you, <laughs> actually um, did one of these and it was in the middle of COVID. It was September 2020 and it was over Zoom, of course, because everything was over Zoom. And we were actually there making sure we were in the Zoom room, making sure that he spoke about women's cricket. And he actually gave a few quotes about women's cricket. But if we hadn't been there, then who knows? And it's very frustrating then to well, feel like... we know exactly what we, would have happened if we hadn't well, been there. Well, it's very frustrating to feel like we've therefore missed out on the opportunity to ask him, what is your vision for women's cricket? Um, and actually, some of the big news that's come out of that media opportunity in relation to pay is that apparently the England men, who, um, according to Crick Info, um, their current the current worth of the England men's central contracts is between two hundred thousand and eight hundred thousand pounds. So that is a hell of a lot more than any of the England women are getting paid. Um, the England men are getting pay rises apparently because of this threat from franchise cricket. Um, there's been very little talk about what that means for the England women. I think he did say one thing that suggests that that he wants the match fees for the England women to increase. Um, and kind of there's a there's a sort of tacit recognition that there's a bit of pressure from franchise cricket in the women's game as well. But he didn't he doesn't really seem to have talked about that very much. And um, you know, it would have been so 
so <laughs> positive to be able to be in there to be in that chat and be like okay so can you talk about this and and actually how much are the England women currently paid because nobody seems to know because the ECB won't release the figures and they say oh it's because we don't like to talk about how much people are getting paid well we've literally got an ask Grand Cricket yeah, phone that's enough, telling us every time Ben Stokes get paid gets paid another 100 grand a year everyone's quite happy to you know slip yeah. out exactly how much he's being paid yeah so so it's a so it's an unlevel playing field in that regard uh, and it's made me a bit cross because re really do the England men really need to be paid more than that? Well I mean they're allowing the England men to, to, to shake them down over things like this major league cricket which some of the men want to go and play instead of playing in the hundred because it'll pay them a lot more money in the short term and you know good luck to them on, on that basis you know there's you know they, they need to look after themselves and they're doing that but it does feel like every time you know the men want a bit more the ECB are able to find, find a bit more money, money down the back of the sofa yeah, exactly um, you know whereas when in, anything happens with women's cricket it's much more of a struggle and you know there have been increases in women's cricket to be fair we've got more domestic contracts than you know than ever before this year um, but those domestic contracts for example remain very low value and several of the, the players particularly the ones that are on the shorter term contracts that are effectively only going to be employed for you know a few months um, are going to end up yeah. um, you know being paid over across the length of the year well less than this legendary um, PCA minimum wage of whatever it is 28,000. Yeah it's frustrating so, because um, if I'd been in this media opportunity sorry to keep banging on about it but it's just because it is one of those rare times when you think they needed to have somebody in the room asking questions who cared about women's cricket. And if I'd been in the room, then I would have been able to say, OK, so you're giving the England men a pay rise. Are you are you saying that the England women aren't getting a pay rise? And if you are saying that, then how exactly are you justifying that? Because I want to hear you justify it. And that's those are the questions that don't get asked still so often. And it's really frustrating to then read these pieces that are written after the fact and not be able to have that opportunity to ask the difficult question. Anyway, um, it, I think it also to some extent does link back to something that we talked about last week about the different cultures of in relation to pay in England and Australia. In Australia, there's this kind of there's been this whole big negotiation between the Players Association. Um, and Cricket Australia and they've now come out and, and it's very much about spreading the um, the increase in revenue but, um, you know much as more as widely as possible yeah across, and across giving giving pay rises to the women the domestic women in, in that specific instance um, and in England we're still in a situation where um, it's okay to announce the England men having these um, pay rises and nobody will pop up and say hello women's cricket exists by the way you know it's just such a different culture somehow um and that yeah and that that really needs to change and that's that's my that's my thought i won't i won't bang on about this for too much longer okay we did have some other kind of interesting exciting news positive news that seems to have slightly leaked out um, in relation to domestic women's cricket in England Sid um, now this is something you've actually called for um, so basically uh, what has happened is that the Blaze um, which are the um, well, they were they were Loughborough Lightning, weren't they? And then they now they've moved. They've moved to Trent Bridge. Um, so then now the team um, known as the Blaze, um, based at Trent Bridge um, in in Nottinghamshire, um, that have said basically some of our players are playing in a fixture, and it's a two day 
um, a two-day Red Bull fixture um, being played at Kibworth Cricket Club um, in the Midlands um, next week, actually, on Tuesday and Wednesday, 11th and 12th of April. We knew nothing about this. Nobody seemed to know anything about this. <laughs> and players basically said, oh, yeah, our players are playing in these in this particular fixture. Now, what's interesting about it, Sid, is that it's North v South. And that's, as I say, it's something you've called for previously, isn't it? Yeah, um, the the issue is with it, with any kind of red ball cricket is that you know you you need the players to be to be available to play it obviously, yeah. um, but we have now got enough professionals that you know we can play a north v south game. Obviously, you know playing the individual regions against each other, it means you'd have to to play multi day cricket. You'd almost certainly have to encroach upon the the working week, yeah. and we've still got plenty of players that you know have our students of uh, you know full-time students or that have other jobs so you yeah. can't just plonk games randomly you know on a Wednesday and Thursday we've got enough pros now that you can do that with the professionals so that means that you know if you pair down the teams and combine the teams mm -hmm. into north v south I know the people from the Midlands don't necessarily <laughs> massively appreciate being referred to as northerners it's actually but... being played in the Midlands that's yeah. what's quite funny about it anyway um but you know it, it, it makes sense to, to do it like that I think um, and yeah, it's 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 an opportunity for some red ball cricket, and it's the first kind of well, it's the first red ball cricket that's been played for for several years, uh, because of course the county championship was uh, certainly you know within the last what it changed about twenty thirteen it changed uh, something from like that. being because uh, yeah. it was that was originally although a one day competition it was played in whites with with a red ball, um, so it's the first red ball cricket and it's the first multi-day cricket that's been played yes. for a long time yeah. isn't it Raf? when was when was the last time that there was any uh, multi-day cricket in the in the domestic oh, women's gosh, calendar you're talking decades and decades ago i don't know exactly when um off the top of my head but a very very long time ago yeah so okay so it's an exciting opportunity it's something that australia hadn't yet you know got into well so there's... exactly that's that's what's uh, that's partly why I'm kind of excited about it, because I, I think, and, and I, you would hope that the ECB can see this strategically, is if you compare the positions of where we are with where Australia are, if we can really get on this, um, you know, get some regular domestic red ball cricket scheduled in our calendar, then that puts us a step ahead of Australia on at least one count. Yeah. Um, the Australian players have been calling for red ball domestic cricket for years, and Cricket Australia have kind of continually sort of shut that down a little bit. Um, but now, you know, we are seeing the revival of women's test cricket very much um, with not just it being the women's ashes, but there are also being other countries now who want to play women's test cricket. So if England can get ahead of the game in that respect, I think that could be really exciting. Yeah, and as long as we take this seriously, and I hope, I'm, I'm hoping, for example, that it's going to be a proper, you know, kind of first-class type game. I'm, I'm not sure where, how many innings it's going to be. We haven't mm. been given any details no, about that. But I'm hoping that it'll be a proper game. Yeah. And what I mean by a proper game is that often in kind of these training games, you get people going, oh, well, you can bat again because you got out for only three. So we'll let you bat again at number 11 in place of the bowler you know and I call these jumpers for goalposts games because <laughs> they're not really doing the there needs to be actual pressure on people yes. you know you need to if you're out you need to be out yeah um you know it needs to be maybe 11 players I could cope with 12 players if they go okay well, we're going to have effectively like a what they call in baseball a designated hitter we'll have a, a bowler that doesn't have to bat and a batter that doesn't have to bowl yeah or doesn't have to field just to give more people, just to give more people that experience yeah. but it's important that you give people that experience because one of the one of the problems with the test situation at the moment is we've got people like you know Izzy Wong last year and Lauren Bell that was the, that was the first first class game they'd ever know, played was in an Ashes test uh, sorry not an Ashes test it was in a, a test, a test against, against South Africa, South Africa yeah. um, 
get that thing of where a test is automatically an ashes <laughs> test. <laughs> not so anymore, it's, it's not. not anymore, it's no. new. So the first, the first ever first class game they yeah. played was a test match. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the case. Whereas hopefully going forward, we'll be able to provide this experience. And if we can have this kind of game, this North v South, maybe three times a year, and maybe it could be three days, guys. And as long as it's a proper game, yeah. where there's genuine jeopardy if you get out, we'll give some more Red Bull captaincy experience. You know, you could, uh, you know, Grace Scrivens could actually captain one of these sides. And actually, you know, the first time she captains in a test match, you know, will, in a first class match won't be in a, in a test match. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's a fantastic opportunity, and we're really, really supposed to it of it. Um, yeah, the one, the one disappointment bit... is that the. They've kept it so quiet, haven't exactly. they? Exactly, like? and it's just, it just feels like it's being done a little bit secretively, and I don't really understand why. I, I guess that maybe the facilities at this club where they're holding it aren't great, so they don't necessarily want to encourage spectators, but realistically, even if they had advertised it, they're not going to get loads of spectators coming along midweek to a random two-day well, They've got a reasonable clubhouse there, but it would just be... I mean, if yeah, a thousand people you, turned up, they'd be in trouble. No, but that they? wouldn't happen. Yeah. And, and the thing is... All they'd have to do is just say, look, this is happening. The facilities aren't going to be great. There won't be any toilets. You have to sort yourself out for food and everything like that. But why not come along? Um, you know, or actually shout about it, but say, sorry, this is a closed game. Because that does happen with warm-up games at Loughborough when we're told explicitly, I'm sorry, nobody can actually come along and watch this. But... You know, shout about it. Say this is a really great thing. This is really positive. Um, because we've been calling for this. You specifically called for this in 2020. You wrote a piece saying, why are you not doing this? Or was it 2021? Anyway, it's years ago. Um, and now they are doing it and they have kept it quiet. And just I just kind of wonder, is it the ECB who's organised this? Or is it the regions? Have Like, where's this impetus coming from? Because nobody has said anything publicly other than Blaze sort of accidentally letting the cat out of the bag and you wonder whether somebody's rung them up and gone, you shouldn't really have done that, guys. Um, you know, because we didn't want anyone to know about this. But it could be that it's not coming from the ECB, that it's actually the regions who are going, oh, well, we've got some autonomy. Let's organise this amongst ourselves and let's show that our players have got some Red Bull experience under their belt. And hey, what's the first international match that's happening this year? Oh, it's the Ashes Test match. Well, our players have played Red Bull cricket more recently than any of the England players. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. yeah, and the, the, the fact that we that we don't know, that we're just sitting here speculating, we is again indicative of you know that, that situation, that it's like, well, you haven't told anybody anything about it. So anyway, it's still it's still a positive thing. It is we'll be positive. we'll be looking out for some scorecards. Well, we hope live that we'll streams. get some. Well, um, you know that will be even better. That will make our Tuesday and Wednesday workdays very unproductive indeed. Sim. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Anyway, yeah, please live stream it if anyone from the regions happens to be watching this. That will be great. Thanks very much. And please organise some more because we want to see more Red Bull domestic cricket. And this shows that um, you can organise it. So there you go. Right, that's all for now. Happy Easter again. And thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye.